Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities, and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. So right now, we have... Uh a ton of people watching us yes. in groups, in their MCs, some are on their way there. They're probably listening in in the car, sure. in the taxi. Someone is trying to get mm. ahead of the traffic. Yeah. And they're all headed for their mission or community meeting. Yes. 1,126 mission or communities. Many of them are children's MCs and teenagers. So those meet over the weekend because... Yeah. They're too involved with school. Mm-hmm. But all the adults, this is their moment. This is their time. And all of this, because we heard about MCs from who? From you. Wow. Yeah. Tell us a little bit. Huh. Well, I think the first comment I want to make is, if I hadn't got an injured foot, I think I'd want to dance like you guys, because it's all about... <laughs> But hopping on one foot, I don't think it looks very dignified, do you? <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd, be, uh, I'd be accused of being like David, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what was it you were saying? I was, just, I was just overwhelmed by the dancing earlier, so I thought yeah, I needed to mention that. What, what, uh, what, what was it you were asking? <laughs> Interesting. So... We have all these people meeting mm-hmm. uh, on their way to the meeting, yeah. and there's disciple part of our journey. I mean, since Tim and Rebecca came in 2012, mm-hmm. yeah. we've been using missional communities and building a discipling culture and trying things, failing at some, succeeding at some. Mm. And so it's such a delight to have you here live <laughs> on MC Live. First of all, what does it feel like to see some fruit of your work thousands of miles away from home? When you come and you're like... Yeah, it's very exciting. It's very inspiring. And without any pretense, I would have to say it's one of the most humbling experiences of my life. Wow. Because, I mean... How could the tiny little things that I was doing have any effect anywhere? Still still more as far away as Uganda. So, yeah, it's just wonderful. Just wonderful. Amen. Mm. Praise God. It's the kind of thing thing where you think, Lord, are you going to plan to take me home soon? Because I can't think it gets better than this. Well, we hope not. Yeah, me too, because I'm coming back. Yeah. Because we need to bring a whole bunch of people here to see what is happening, be inspired, and then go back and do it where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And thanks for giving us the opportunity to share a bit of our story with the rest of the world. I know you're connected to so many people people, so many networks, 
uh, you're involved in discipleship all your life. Okay, like since you 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 became uh, a minister, so mm. we are really grateful. Mm. Now, we are going to talk about maybe a couple of things. Yeah. But I wanted us to start at a, a little bit of a strategic yeah. level. Mm-hmm. Discipleship uh, in our nation and some of the nations here in Africa, there is no shortage of churches and in some cases Christians mm-hmm. and so sometimes you get comfortable because there are all these churches you can go on Sunday and all of that now you've lived in Europe yep. you've lived in America mm-hmm. and you are a great student of history mm-hmm. and not too long ago what we see here was, is what was happening in Europe Sure, lots of churches and lots of people going mm-hmm. and yet now you can hardly the pulse is so low it feels dead mm-hmm. even though there is still life mm-hmm. and maybe something was missed along the way yeah. and I tend to think discipleship could be a part of it because the people we are talking to are involved in discipleship but they may not know how strategically important it is that yeah. what we are doing and its impact on the not only Ugandan church, but global church mm. in the next 10, 20, 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, um, I think it's always difficult when churches begin to lose connection to the scriptures, because of course then you lose connection to the person of Jesus. And if you lose connection to the person of Jesus, of course it's impossible to effectively disciple. So being being people who are committed to the word of God and being committed to the word of God who is the living word found in the written word of course is the basis of discipleship because a disciple was first called a Christian when the first group of non-Jewish believers began to follow and Christian of course means little Christ Mm. So the first name given to the followers of Jesus was Little Christ, which would suggest that a disciple is someone who's not only following Christ, not only emulating the life of Christ, but becoming like him. And so that's the the key. And when you look at the, the, the Great Commission, which of course, together with the Great Commandment, give us pretty much everything we need when we look at the Great Commission we discover that God wants us to do something that really is quite amazing Jesus says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me go therefore baptize and then he says this and this is often the lost verse in the Great Commission the verse that we don't quite ever get to teaching them to do everything I taught you to do now in a mainline church in England a mainline church anywhere in Europe or America and you say that and everybody kind of nods your head sagely and I say okay well let's just go through the list of things that Jesus taught his early disciples and how many of these things are we doing right now heal the sick cast out demons cleanse lepers, raise the dead, multiply food, 
need I go on? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, clearly, the first disciples understood that the many, many things that Jesus was teaching them, of course, was character formation. There was clearly competency that was being imparted to them. But it was the competency and character of the person of Jesus. Yeah. And of course, that's where we need to keep on holding on to the Great Commission. And the Great Commission kind of gives us this idea that we make disciples by teaching them, instructing them, demonstrating to them everything that Jesus has taught us. And Jesus says this, it's all caught in the sandwich of my transcendence and my imminence. Two big theological terms. His transcendence means that he's overall, he's high and lifted up. He is the God, the sovereign of the universe, because at the beginning he says, all authority. Yeah. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's the transcendent Christ. Yes. But then he says, it's not just me telling you from the heavens what it is that you need to do. Because his last word is a word of imminence. His presence. Yeah. And lo, I am am with you always. So he's not asking us to do something alone. He's not asking us to do something that is so high that we can't reach it. He's asking us to do something that he's so invested in, he'll accompany us along the way. Wow. Isn't that cool? Wow, yeah. Yeah. Transcendence. Some of you in the mission, you're learning some new terms. (laughs) Yeah. When you take someone out to dinner tomorrow, you can say, you know, the dessert is transcendent. (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, the waiter is not imminent. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Wow. So that's incredible that this is literally the way of the kingdom the way of Jesus that's it making disciples amen wow now I want to delay with that I, I think that everyone maybe is starting to understand just how important it is just don't go to church just don't go to a mission or community meeting yeah it's not about the mission or community meeting it's about discipleship. Yeah. The mission of community is simply a vehicle. And it is about discipleship. And obviously, discipleship means it's not about attendance and tithe. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. What we're talking about is if you are a disciple, so just think about it like this. This is the way I think about it. Obviously, Jesus intended everything that continued from that last word to be defined by that last word. And so he says to his disciples, the definition of them being a disciple is that they make another disciple. Yep. yep. So, so that's a problem that you find often in the West. They talk about discipleship as if it's a self-improvement program. Mm. And of course, you're going to be an improved person if you become more like Jesus. But the objective 
in becoming more like Jesus is to have the fruit of Jesus, which is to make disciples. Yes. And so the first disciples understood that the task, the commission of becoming like Jesus was evidenced, was demonstrated, was revealed in the fact that we made another one. Wow. So until you make a disciple, you're not really a disciple. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying, I'm saying that the evidence that you're a disciple, I think that there are very good-hearted people that are disciples who as yet have not made a disciple. But <clears throat> I can always remember I was a young, a young pastor, wet behind my ears, as green as the grass, just got out of theological college, and I was preaching as hard as I could, and you know, the, the words reached the ceiling and then tumbled onto the floor. There was, it was just horrible. And two of the old ladies at the back were praying, and I just sidled up beside them. I said, what are you praying about? And they said, well, pastor, we're praying that one day you'll see some fruit. Their prayers were answered. <laughs> when they get to heaven, well, they're all in heaven now, but um, when I get to heaven, I'll thank them. Because, because the evidence of being a disciple yes. is, of course, looking like Jesus. But if you look like Jesus, you're going to have disciples because that's what Jesus had. Yeah. So I think it's enormously important. I don't want it to become like this weight, this burden, this crushing load that I've not made a disciple yet. It's much more saying, as the grace of Jesus helps me to become like Jesus, the natural consequence will be another disciple. That's what happens. Wow. The natural consequence of becoming more like Jesus will be another disciple. Maybe yes. not one, but other disciples. Yes. Wow. One, one last thing there that I think I had you say because I think one of the things that gets in the way is okay of course I want to be a disciple I want to make disciples but there's a question you ask is your life worth following uh, yeah and that's the thing you see when, when people met Jesus <clears throat> he was crazy busy he was overwhelmed by the numbers of people he had to get away from the crowd he was a human being yeah so he you know he, he faced all of the pressures that we face but wherever Jesus was people wanted to be with him and yeah. become like him he was just this compelling presence and so one of the things I ask pastors is because they're all busy and they're all crazy you know it's like they, they're kind of workaholics and work kind of crazy schedules and I say um, <clears throat> when your when your congregants when you invite them into your life do they want your life because if they don't want your life they don't want you to disciple them Eesh. so here's the thing white flag <laughs> So here's the thing, you don't have to be a perfect example, 
but you do have to be a living example. A living example. And here's the problem. So many pastors are just dead examples because they're so tired, they're so overrun, they're so overstretched, nobody wants their life. Shots fired. <laughs> Tables are shaking. <laughs> Drinks are pouring. Bottles are. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's let me save all the pastors, including myself, from this battering by switching the subject. <laughs> <laughs> now missional communities yes because <laughs> it is one thing to desire to be a disciple and to disciple people yes and at this church we tried many things we tried to change the names we thought it's what you call it that was a problem and since 2012 when we adopted the vehicle of missional communities and hurdles we have seen fruitfulness mm. yeah mm. we've not been perfect there are some things we haven't done well yeah. but the fruitfulness we see in this church we know that without the missional community vehicle worship harvest wouldn't be what it is mm. we wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to do anything that we've done mm -hmm. without that yeah. vehicle. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that because people are watching us and they're part of missional communities. Yeah, I mean, it's like any vehicle. Um, my daughter in England has got a vehicle and uh, it's not working right now. And it's not working because it's, the engine doesn't work. And um, the thing about the missional community <clears throat> is that it's a vehicle yeah but vehicles need engines yes otherwise what ends up happening is that you have a very bright shiny vehicle but you spend all of your energy pushing it everywhere <laughs> there are people who have been pushing their vehicles. They're, they're, they're wondering. They're thinking, you're a prophet. It's a bit like that. <laughs> it's a bit like the woman at the well. You have had five husbands, and even the one you have now is not yours. And she's like, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. <laughs> so, so, one mistake people sometimes make is that they assume that having a missional community will solve all of the problems. Yeah. But unless you have a huddle, you generally don't have an engine. Yeah. And so you need the vehicle and the engine. So the huddle, the huddle is, is the engine yes. of the missional community. Yes. I will and, repeat that. The huddle is the 
engine, the engine of the music. And we know what the fuel is. We know the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we know that he can fill that engine. Yes. He can, he can fill and cause that engine to overflow with power. And in time, the people who have those engines can really tune them. And if you have a really well-tuned huddle structure, you have missional communities that can go further and faster. Wow. Well-tuned huddle structure will help your mission or community go farther and faster. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if I can add anything to that, I think. <laughs> all, and all the people say it. Now, tell us about a, a well-tuned huddle. What, what would that be? So a well-tuned huddle is a place where the information, which is revelation, is simple, repeatable, and transferable. Information is simple, repeatable, and transferable. And the relationships within the huddle, both for the huddle leader and for the members of the huddle, one to another, the relationships are relationships in which transparency and vulnerability give the opportunity for imitation. Because one of the things that happens is that we begin to just move into pretense. And we want people to think well of us. And so we begin to maybe just push a few things under the carpet. But here's the thing. It's when you are vulnerable with your disciples and they see how God is working in your broken heart that the people that you're disciple, discipling give you their heart. Yeah. So if you have a broken heart, the people will give you their heart. Yeah. And that heart-to-heart -heart thing is the thing that is the transformative place, the moment, the opportunity. So you're saying it's not about appearing to it, be... And it's not having all the right answers. The man of God. Yeah. The woman of God. Yeah, yeah. Who has it all together. It's a person who's in the process of being formed by Jesus that is the most compelling witness to the life of discipleship. Wow. Wow. Well, this is heavy, <laughs> but very good. So, national community, the huddles. What's a good size of a huddle? Well, for an a not so experienced disciple like yourself. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if you think that you're better than Jesus, obviously have more than twelve. <laughs> if you think that you're maybe not quite as good as Jesus, then less than twelve would be a good idea. Yeah. And 
the optimum number that I've observed, which means that you can operate both face-to-face -face and online, is around about eight. For a mature discipling leader, around about eight. If you're just beginning, I would recommend about four, plus yourself, so maybe five in the group with you. Yeah. So four is a great place to start. If you're a very competent discipling leader, eight. In a huddle. And then when you bring together those huddles, you have a mission or community. Well, just think about it. You could just do the whole thing through huddles. Hmm. If you think about it. I mean, the, the, you could have a congregation of 248 people very easily. If you have a huddle of eight, each one of your eight has a huddle of six, each one of those has a huddle of four, that's 248 people. Well, that's a fairly good sized congregation. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more than a missional community. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that the huddle as a, as a system really needs to be explored because it's enormously powerful in the multiplication of what it is that you want to do. Yeah. So where does that leave the missional community? Well, I'm not suggesting, of course, that that's the way that you operate. I'm, I'm saying that if you have six or eight people in your huddle, you can most definitely expect a missional community of 20 to 30 people. Yeah. And that's why you'd probably be start thinking at that stage, well, maybe we need to multiply. Yeah. And we talked a little bit the, the other day about the multiplication being an oscillation yeah. rather than a separation. Than a separation. It's a hugely important thing that you realize that the way that God designed creation as a reflection of what it is that we're supposed to take part in in the kingdom is important. So when cells separate, they don't separate just by separating. Yeah. They separate by oscillation and they become more and more attenuated, more and more attenuated, and then become two. Yeah. And so with our assistant leaders, give them opportunity during the evening to take half the people into the backyard, half the people into the kitchen. Yeah. You pray, we'll eat. We'll eat, you pray. I mean, whatever to do different things. And as you're doing this, you're giving an opportunity for a new group to begin to develop an identity. Yeah. Within the safe space of the mission. Within the safe space of the mission community. And then maybe even say, well, next week, how about you meet by yourself? We'll yeah. meet by ourselves. And then the week after that, we'll come back and talk about how we got on. It's almost like you're kind of nurturing the multiplication. Yes. I think it's tremendously important. Because here's the thing. What I've noticed is, if you operate that way, nobody starts grieving the loss of the other group. Yeah. Now that's the part we've done very, very poorly or badly at worship service. The we, the MC leader will announce. I mean, over some sort of last supper. Next Wednesday, we are in three missional communities, and these are the leaders. See you. And then, and then six months' time, the leaders come around and say, we're going to separate again, and everybody hides under a rock and says, we're not going through that again. 
I'm not going through that again. You want me to have children to give them away? What do you mean? So I think there are ways in which we can pastorally and sensitively grow naturally without it feeling like a death and separation. Yeah. Thank you. That's very helpful. I hope you can teach us a little bit more of that on yeah. Saturday yeah. Uh, when we are all together with the Mission yeah. Community Leaders. By the way, Saturday, the historic Shepherd's Gathering with Papa Mike is on. If you haven't yet registered, you are the only one, really. This place is going to be packed out with leaders learning how to disciple well. And we are so excited about that. All right, I want us to move on to something that is current. Next month, June, every, every two, two months here, June and December, yeah. we have what we call rest months. Yes. And so in these months, typically what we've done is we only have Sunday services. And so we don't have mission committee meetings. We don't have uh, frontiers. We don't do intentional outreach evangelism and yeah. all of that because yeah. we're trying to let everyone's engine cool down a bit so yeah. that we can come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we've struggled with the return. It feels like some momentum is lost. Some people, uh, they switch back in around August instead of July. Uh, but also this year particularly, it's, we've been a very busy church, busier than usual. Mm-hmm. And so I sense that people are looking forward mm-hmm. to the rest month. Yeah. Uh, but I've some... only been here for three days. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> That's a good one. Now, I think sometimes, I think we tend to imagine that, okay, it's rest month, everyone knows what to do. What would you suggest? How do we make the best use of this time of abiding and just slowing down? So it's very, very important this because the last metaphor, the last picture that Jesus painted for his disciples before he went to the cross was the, the mechanism of fruitfulness. John 15, as part of the last supper discourse, Jesus describes himself as the vine and the disciples as the branches. They were probably at that point, because it says at the end of John 14, Jesus says to the, to the guys, let's go. And so probably they're walking through the streets of Jerusalem toward their campsite, which Luke tells us is on the Mount of Olives. So they're going to be walking past the temple. And the temple is lit by the flames of a thousand lamps. It's a beautiful edifice with white marble fascia and the gold and silver of the nations etched into the marble creating the image of Israel, the vine. And as Jesus walks past that image, spoken about in Psalm 80, I took a vine out of Egypt and planted it in Canaan. As he sees that, he says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. My father is the gardener. He prunes 
every branch that is fruitful. And then he goes on to say, he wants you to be fruitful, but you can't be fruitful unless you abide. Now, the disciples knew this because Josephus tells us that every home in Israel had a vine. So everybody knew how to grow vines. And they knew that the branch would grow through the season, the flower would come, the fruit would come. They'd take the fruit off the, off the branch and immediately they would prune back the, the branch to within a few millimeters of the central stock, which was the vine. Yeah. And then during the winter months, the vine would grow around the stump of the branch and the branch would abide in the vine. So there's some essential things that need to happen in June. You need to be pruned. What does that mean? You stop being a branch. What does that mean? Stop working. Stop working. Mm. Now, I've had missional community leaders come to me year after year saying, everything's going so well. Everything's going so amazingly. We're going to continue through the abiding month. And it's their decision. But halfway through the year, they wonder why everything's kind of slowing down and getting awful. Because what they've decided, you see, is that they know better than God. They think that the fruitfulness that they have now, they can continue with their effort. And of course, you can only get fruit because you abide. Yeah. It doesn't matter how hard the branch strains, it ain't going to produce a grape. Not one. So, <clears throat> in June, my recommendation is stop. And then abide. And Jesus says, this is what abiding is. You abide in my love and my word or words abide in you. So here's the key, here's the key. All the fear and all the anxiety and all the stress, which is the same thing as fear, but just rebranded with modern language. Yeah, somebody write that down somewhere. All that, that gets removed. How, does, how do we get rid of fear? What is, what is it, what's perfect that gets rid of fear? Love. There it is. Jesus says, abide in my love. And what does love do? Love casts out fear. Oh, fear, yeah. So all of the anxiety, all of the stress, all of the fear, all of the worry, it goes. Because you say, I'm just resting in the arms of Jesus. Strong enough to carry. Yeah. Just rest. Now, I, I feel very moved by that. I sense that this is something the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that this is something he wants you to do. Yeah. He wants you to rest in the arms of Jesus and just abide in his love. 
Think on his love. Reflect on his love. Marinate in his love. Glory in his love. And as those arms draw you closer, you'll hear the still small voice. Abide in my love and my words will abide in you. And then you'll ask anything in my name and receive it. Why? Where does faith come from? Close. Faith comes by hearing. So the love of Jesus has brought us in. The love of Jesus, I love the enthusiasm by the way, Salome. The love of Jesus brought us in. We're close enough to hear him whisper. And his words produce faith. And it's faith according to his word. And so what we've heard, we have faith and it's a certain faith and we can pray in faith and what we ask for we know we'll receive Amen and Jesus says unless you abide you cannot bear fruit so my expectation is the better the abiding the more the fruiting Mm, 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 so mm, July, mm. August, September, October November get ready for fruit get ready Love, word, faith, rest. That's it. Practically forgive. What does this look like? So you have to stop the program. Yes. You have to stop the activities. You have to be disciplined about the numbers of interactions that you have with all your friends and buddies. Because otherwise you're never going to have the brain space to just rest in his love. Because what you'll be doing is you're being continuously fried by the questions, the decisions, the hopes and aspirations of everybody else. So there's a discipline of saying to the missional community, don't call me for a week and when you do remember that between these hours I'm not going to answer you and only call me if you want to take me to lunch or (laughs) be nice to me or just can put some boundaries you see the thing is if you put the boundaries in then you've got a place of security where everyone and feel free yeah so practically it means stopping the programs and lowering the intensity of the interactions that's enormously important wow so tonight is the second last supper <laughs> before the rest month next Wednesday which, by the way, is going to be MC party. Will be the last, and then we'll be back in July. So you better maximize, maximize, maximize the opportunity. Wow, this has been incredible. Well, 
two things we like to do on the MC Live set as we finish because we have about six minutes to go. There are many people who watch us either live or later who would like to start a relationship with Jesus. They've never given their lives to Jesus. And we like to pray with them to receive Jesus. Then we also pray for people's needs as the Holy Spirit leads us. For We've received so many testimonies of miracles that people have received as we've prayed. So would you pray with us? Would you make the invitation and then pray with us? Whichever way the Holy Spirit leads. So let's pray. And let's pray with those whose hearts are being drawn to Jesus right now. If your heart is being drawn to Jesus right now, the compelling person of Jesus, the beautiful person of Jesus, the the person of Jesus who, when he saw the struggle of your life, said, I'll go for that one. When he saw the battles that you're facing, he said, I'll go and fight on behalf of that one. When he saw the feelings of guilt and shame and fear that inhabit your heart, he said, I'll go for that one. Thank you, Jesus, that you came so willingly and you would have come if it was only us. If it was just me, you'd have come. If it was just that dear one right now whose heart is beating fast, knowing that you're calling. Lord, you'd have come just for them. Thank you, Lord, that you came, that you revealed the Father's heart, that you died in our place, you defeated our enemies of sin, of death, and of Satan. And thank you, Jesus, that you rose again to demonstrate that you've come to give life and life in all its fullness. Jesus, receive these lives right now that are turning to you. And as you sense the Spirit of God drawing in you, as you hear the words of Jesus calling you, then surrender now and pray with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Lord, take it all. Thank you, Jesus, that you came for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you sent your spirit for me. And thank you, Jesus, that one day you're coming back for me. Jesus, I pray that as you send your spirit upon these dear ones, 
each one would know that they've been born again into a new kingdom, a new life, and a new family. And we pray it, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who've been found. I pray for those of us, Lord, who know you, who've walked with you, who have, Lord, heard you whisper in the night watches. Lord, I pray for each one of us that your nearness would be very real. Thank you, Lord, that you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us, that you're always with us. But Lord, sometimes it's difficult for us to apprehend, to, to see, to sense, to hear your presence. Lord, help us to see you. Help us, Lord, to hear you. Help us, Lord, to know that we walk in the shadow of the Savior. Yes. And Lord, I pray that as we walk in like manner with those down through the ages who've called on your name, that we, like them, would know the peace that passes understanding, that guards our hearts and minds. And may you Lord, prosper each of these dear ones in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. What a powerful time. Thank you all for joining us for MC Live. I know you're now, if you were near, you should have arrived or almost arriving at the meeting of your missional community. Now you're going to go into your MC meeting. I'm sure you've served something to eat and you've prayed with us. And you're going to ask, what is Jesus saying to me? What am I going to do about it? And we really have to deal with the issue of abiding and resting so as to increase fruitfulness. And I know you'll be sharing that in your huddles. Now, uh, if you would like to give today, the numbers are again on your screen. 0778-618-418 and 0758-618-418. Uh, there are also the MTN Momo Pay. It should be there. You'll see it. And the... Tell pay. Awesome. Oh, I forgot something important. If you just prayed that prayer and you've given your life to Jesus, so you'd like to talk to a pastor about anything, the number is 0775 That's the number. Please text, call someone is on the end of that number and we just want to minister to you, maybe you're tired you're, you're stressed, you're fearful and you just need someone to stand with you we would love to do that, amen awesome, so off to our MC meetings, God bless you uh, see you next Wednesday before the rest month
and next Wednesday is MC Party. Can you hear me appreciate Papa Mike one more time? Thank you for joining us. Those were on radio, online radio, TV, and all our channels. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.